it ended as God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. And we saw that he done so as a result of their sin. And so they could no longer have access to the tree of life. That, that God told them, no, in your sin, you cannot live forever. And can you imagine how they must have felt as they left that garden? As they walked through some of their, and through and past some of their favorite places. As they, as they walked out to, out the edge of it. As they walked away and no doubt turned back many times. Until finally it was out of sight. Can you imagine the, the devastation, the heartbreak? Life as we know it is over. No more paradise on earth. No more life on easy street. Just imagine. Try to put yourself in their shoes and how they must have felt. And that's how the chapter ended. And that's, that's how our, our study yesterday ended. With heartbreak and devastation and despair. Hopelessness. Helplessness. But today, as we get into chapter 4, and verse number 1, we see a glimmer of hope. We see a spark of light. We see that in the midst of all that despair, in the midst of all that heartbreak, in the midst of you shall surely die, we see new life as it begins. We see that Eve had a son that she named her son Cain. That she had another son, she named him Abel. And there in verse number 1 of chapter 4, Eve said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now I don't know when you hear that verse or when you read that verse, I don't know what thought comes to your mind as you think on that. But I'll tell you what I think. That in the midst of her sin, in the, in the midst of her mistakes, in the, in the midst of her faults and her failures, that God's still there. That God still loves her. That God's still providing. That God's still taking care. Yeah, he kicked them out of the garden. So that they wouldn't have access to that tree. But he didn't abandon them. He didn't leave them. And he would have had every right in the world to. I mean, think about it. God gave them everything. And they said, we don't care. We want more. And they run God's perfect relationship. They run God's perfect creation. They run God's perfect plan for their lives. And God would have had every right in the world to have just threw his hands up and said, No, you made your bed. You like it. I'm done with you. But he didn't. He went with them. He took care of them. He gave them children. He blessed their lives. You know, as I think on that thought, I can't help but think of my own life. I can't help but think about all the all the late nights, all the crazy things, all the all the things that should have killed me that I done. Can't help but remember all the times I woke up in strange places. How'd I get here? Where am I even at? 
can't help but remembering of all the times that I woke up in my own bed. Wondering how to get here. Look out the window, see that my truck's out there. Lord, how did I get from from where I was to, to here without wrecking and dying? How did I get through all of those late nights? How did I do all those things to, to so many different people and not get knocked in the head? Not get killed? How am I still alive? How am I not in a in a devil's hell today where I'm deserving of the wages of sin is death? How did I not end up surely dying? There's only one thought that can come to my mind. Only one conclusion that I can come to. Only one reason that I can give. God was there with me. God was watching over me. God was protecting me. Even though I was in sin. Even though I was living in the pleasures of sin that last only for a season. Even though I was making all those mistakes. And even though I was deserving of surely dying. God took care of me. And he got me to where I am today. What a God. What an awesome God. What a wonderful God. To love us that much. That even in our sin, He's there. He cares. He takes care of us. For that, I just simply have to say, praise the holy and wonderful name of Jesus. What an awesome God. Wow, what an awesome God. But we see here in our story that over the process of time, Cain and Abel, they grew into to young men. It came time for them to Bring their offerings unto the Lord. Abel, being a, a, a shepherd, keeper of the flock, he brought the firstlings of the flock and the fruit thereof. Cain, being a, a farmer, a tiller of the ground, he brought the grains, the fruits, the vegetables, the, the nuts, the figs. Scripture tells us that Abel and his offering was accepted, but that Cain and his offering was not accepted. And you know, at first glance, before we get the, the rest of the story, before we put the pieces together as to why, at least if you're anything like me, we, we kind of feel sorry for Cain, don't we? Lord, why didn't you accept Cain? Except Abel, why didn't you accept Cain? Was it because Abel's offering was more valuable? No, we know that's not it. You don't have to write the biggest checks, give the give the biggest bills. Not everyone can afford to do that. And God knows that. In the New Testament, Jesus stopped everything to give notice to the widow and her might. All these rich men throwing in their big bills. And Jesus said, look at her. She just gave all she had. That impressed Jesus. That impressed the Lord. And he stopped everything. Look at her. That's an offering. That's how you give to God. Say, where are you going with this preacher? Why did, did God accept Abel and not accept Cain? We see that Abel gave the firstling of the flock. That means the best he had. He didn't, he didn't go through the flock and, 
see one that was blind, see one that was lame, see one that was diseased and, and dying anyway, and give that one to God. No, he found the best one. He found the most beautiful one that he had. He found the healthiest one that he had. He found the one with the most potential to give him the most. He said, God, I love you. God, I thank you for everything you've done for me. And I know that this don't come close to what you've done for me. But it's the best I've got. And it's yours. It's yours. And then he gave the fat thereof. Meaning that not only did he take the time to give the best, but then he took the time to prepare it properly. He said, God, this is the best I've got to give. And I want to present it to you in the best way that I possibly Cain, on the other hand, and you might say you're reading too much into the story, preacher, maybe. I don't think so. Scripture don't really tell us this, but this is the way I picture it. Cain, he come up, he went through all of his fruits and vegetables and, and grains and herbs and, and figs and, and all of that. He stored up all that he needed, which was plenty. God blessed him, gave him the increase, I believe. Then he took the leftovers to God. And I believe that while he was there with the leftovers, that maybe he looked down and said, that apple, I'm going to keep that for myself. Now that fig there, that's, that's just too good. Them grains, I'm just going to keep that little bit here. Okay, God, there you go. You can have the rest. And God said, no. No, I don't want it. I'm not going to accept it. It's not your best. You see, God don't want what's left of us. He wants the best of us. He wants us to surrender all to Him. He wants us to live a life devoted to Him. He wants us to serve Him, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what God wants. That's what God demands. That's the only thing God looks at. People come to, come to church... And they leave church and they say, well, I've done my duty for the week. I've done my Christian thing for the week. I'm good. I'll be back next Sunday morning. They think that's good enough. God said, no. I don't want two hours on Sunday morning. I want your life. I want your week. I want your weekends. I want your nights, your mornings, your noons. I want you. I want your best. Not what's, not what's left over. Not just the rest of you. The best of you. Say, so, well, preacher, what, what leads you to believe that that's why God didn't accept Cain's offering? Well, we find here that the Lord said, verses 6 and 7, Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. God tells him, Do what's right. I'm going to accept it. You live for me, I'm going to accept it. You, you give me your best, I'm going to accept it. If you don't, sin lieth at the door. I'm not going to accept sin. I'm not going to tolerate sin. I'm not going to condone sin. I want a surrendered heart. I want a surrendered servant. 
I want somebody that has said, I'm yours, Lord. Do with me as you will. And then I'll accept that. That's pleasing. That's good. I'll say okay with that. And along that same line of thinking of yesterday, I want to ask you, what do you think God was also doing here when he came to Cain and he said, if you do what's right, I'm going to accept it, but if you don't, I'm not. I believe he was giving him an opportunity to straighten up and fire up. I believe that even though he'd made mistakes in the past, that God was saying, I'll forgive those mistakes. They'll be gone. I'll throw them as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember them again. But you need to straighten up by right from here on out. I believe he was giving him that opportunity. But what did Cain do? In the very next verse, he went out and he murdered his brother. He went out and killed Abel. God came to him and, Cain, where's your brother Abel? Just like he did in the garden with with Adam and Eve. And I'm going to say again, do you think that God didn't know what had happened? No, God knew. God knows all. He sees all. No secrets. No hidden things from God. He knew what Cain had done. He knew that Abel had been killed. His blood cried out to the Lord. God knew. So then why ask? Because again, he was giving him the opportunity to come. Can you see that reoccurring pattern these, these first four chapters. We're going to see it throughout the entire Bible. That reoccurring pattern of God giving man the opportunity, chance after chance after chance to come clean, to get right, to confess their sins, to repent. God was giving him that chance. But Cain said, I don't know. What, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to always know where he's at? And God said, no. I saw him. I was there. I know what you did. And now that you didn't come clean, you're going to have to suffer the consequences. You're going to have to, you're going to have to pay the price. And he told him, from this day forward, you're going to be a fugitive in the land, a vagabond. It's going to be a wonder. You're never going to have a place to call home. You're, you're never going to have a, a nail to hang your hat on, so to speak. Cain, he realized how bad it was. He realized the mistake that he had made and said, God, this punishment's too harsh. This punishment's too bad. Everyone that sees me, they're going to want to kill me. And God says, no. I'll put a mark on you so that they won't. You know, you hear people tell this story or read this story or preachers expound upon these verses and they're taught like that mark is still part of the curse. I disagree. That mark on Cain, that was not the curse. That was a blessing. That was an undeserved blessing. That was what Cain wasn't worthy of. Cain killed an innocent man. Cain murdered a man of God. One that was accepted by God. A child of God. He deserved death. He deserved the same that he gave to his brother. But God gave grace. God gave mercy. And God said, I'm going to go with you, Cain, even though you don't deserve me to. 
I'm going to watch over you and I'm going to protect you. They're not going to kill you. But now you've got to leave. We find that Cain went to the land of Nod. He married a, a wife there. Had a lot of people ask me, before most preachers have, have, have had a lot of people ask when they get to this passage, well, where did she come from? I don't know. Why do we want to dwell on the things that we can't answer? I don't know where she came from. Maybe she was a, a daughter of Adam. We know that he had daughters. They was never given names, just simply the daughters of, of Adam. So he had them. Maybe it was one of them. Maybe she was one of them. Maybe she was another one created by God. What do you think? God could only take the dust of the earth and form one man, only take one rib and make one woman? No, come on, he's God. His hand's not short and his powers is not limited. What he has done once, he can do over and over and over again. Maybe that's maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But I know he went to Nod and he married a woman. How do I know? Scripture tells me. That's all I need to know. So I'm not going to dwell on the, on the things that, that I can't give you the answers to. But we find that when, when he got to the land of Nod, that he married this woman, and then we read that he built a city. No, Cain. That's not what God told you. This wasn't God's instructions. You're to be a fugitive. You're to be a wonder. You're to be on the run, on the go. You're not to have a place to call home. You're not to have a nail to hang your hat on. No. But Cain was saying, God, I know what you said, but I'm going to do it my way still. I don't need you, God. You say I'm supposed to, to wander all over? No, I'm going to build a city and stay right here. And as we find in, in future chapters, God said, no, you're not. No, you're not, Cain. And we're going to find that, that along comes a man named Noah. In future chapters, we're going to get to that. We're going to see that, that God told Noah, you're going to build a boat. I'm going to cause it to flood, and I'm going to destroy all of mankind, and I'm going to spare you, your three sons, their wives, and your wife. And Cain and all of his descendants and everyone else that went the way of sin, they drowned when the water came down. God said, you're not going to do it your way and live forever. You're not going to do it your way in the pleasures of sin and expect me to allow that to happen. It's just not going to be that way. We find as our, as our chapter closes here today that Adam has another son. His name is Seth. He's born in the likeness of Adam. Now remember, when God created man, he created man in his image and in his likeness. Perfect, without fault, without defect, without sin. But Adam sinned. And now Seth is born in the likeness of Adam. He's born in sin. He's born with that sin nature, just as everyone that has been born since then is born with that sin nature. You might say, well, what about the little children? They're not born with a sin nature. They're, they're innocent. Oh, yeah? How come they're always getting their hands smacked by, by their mother for putting their hand in the cookie jar before dinner? How come you, you can stand there and watch a kid do something that is wrong and say, hey, what'd you do that for? Turn around and look at you. What? I didn't do nothing. It wasn't me. I just saw you. I just watched you. No, they're born with that sin nature. We all are born with that sin nature. And in sin, we will surely die. But we don't have to. One thing is all we have to do to be able to live eternally. 
And we see that one thing right here as, as chapter 4 closes. Seth and his descendants began to call upon the name of the Lord. Cain and his descendants went their way, the way of sin. Seth and his descendants started to call upon the name of the Lord. Along came Noah, a descendant of Seth who called upon the name of the Lord. Him and his family was saved. Cain and all those that went the way of the sin, they drowned when the water came down. Call upon the name of the Lord. That's all you got to do. You want to live? You want to have eternal life? You want to have salvation? You want to be saved? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what Scripture tells us. Don't matter what you've done, what mistakes you've made, what sins you've committed, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope that this message today has spoke to someone that has been viewing the video or somebody that is going to be viewing the video. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I would love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless. we continue on in our study through God's Word, we come to Genesis chapter 5. Chapter 5 of Genesis, I believe, is a passage of Scripture that many, when they come to it, either in the reading, the teaching, or the preaching of God's Word, that they just skip over it. They look down through the chapter and they see that so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so, and they start to say to themselves, why do we need to know this? Just a list of names. What can we possibly learn from just a list of names? Well, I believe that we can learn a lot from this particular list of names that we find in Genesis chapter 5. I also believe that the Apostle Paul, in writing to, to young Timothy, he said that all Scripture is inspired by God. That all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for Reproof for correction, for instructions in righteousness. And therefore I believe that God inspired Genesis chapter 5 to Moses to write down so that we could read it for a reason. Because I believe God had a message that he wanted us to see right here in Genesis chapter 5. So what I'm going to do this morning, it's not going to be a long video, it's not going to be a long study, I'm just going to mention just a few of the names in Genesis chapter 5 to just kind of jump off the page at. First name that I see that, that jumps out at me is the name of Adam. We all know that Adam was created in the image and the likeness of God. That he was created perfectly. That he was created without fault, without defect, without mistake, without error, without sin. And that he was created to live a holy life. To live a righteous life. To live a pure life. To live a perfect life. To live a life that was pleasing to God. So that they could continue to have that perfect relationship one with another. But we know what happened. Genesis chapter 3. The subtle serpent came into the garden. He, he beguiled Eve. He tricked her. He deceived her. He took God's word and he twisted it. And he, Took it out of context. He said that God maybe has told you that, 
that if you eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, that you will surely die, but you will not surely die. In fact, you will become as God. You will gain knowledge of, of good and evil. And the scripture tells us that when she saw that it was good for food, when she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, when she saw that it was desirable, something to be wanted, something to be desired, that she ate the fruit, that she took to her husband Adam, that he ate the fruit. And at that moment, sin entered into the world. God's creation was no longer perfect, no longer pure, no longer holy. Now sin stained God's perfect man. And we saw that God kicked them out of the garden to get them away from that tree of life, saying, no, in your sins, you cannot and will not live forever. You will, as I said, surely die. And then we see the next thing that jumps out at me is the name of Seth. Adam's son, who it tells us was born in the likeness of Adam. Adam now in sin. Seth, born in his likeness. The likeness of sin. Born with that sin nature. And all that has been born since him. Born in sin. In the likeness of sin. With that same sin nature. You say, well what about the little children? Yeah. As I mentioned in the previous study, that's why they always get caught putting their hand in the cookie jar, even though mom told them not to. That's why when you look at them and you, and you see them do something wrong or hear them say something that they shouldn't say and you call them out on it, they turn around and look at you and, huh, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't say it. I was standing right here. I saw them. I heard you. Yes, you did. We're all born with that sin nature. And in sin, we will surely die. But it don't have to be that way. It don't have to end there. Yeah, the wages of sin is death. But we have been given an option. We've been given the gift of God. We have been, we have been given eternal life. The option of eternal life. The choice of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's only one thing that we have to do. And we see it right here in Genesis chapter 5. The name of Enos pops out at me. Enos was born, and after that, men once again started to call upon the name of the Lord. That's what you got to do. You just got to call out to Him. Call out to God. Call out to Jesus. Let Him know, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. And I'm not deserving, and I'm not worthy. But God, please forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart and life. Save me. And allow me to... To be able to live for you. And you know what? Way too many Christians stop there, in my opinion. They go only that far. They go to the altar of prayer. They go to the baptismal. They, they go to the prayer closet. They go to, to wherever it might have been. Maybe it was driving down the road. But they go to wherever maybe it was at the moment that the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And they, they came to Christ and they accepted Him as their Lord and Savior. And then they don't go no farther. There's more to it than that. And I'd like to tell you that if you've only went that far and you haven't taken that next step, you're missing out on so much. You're missing out on so much joy, so much, so much pleasure. The next thing we see is a man named Enoch. Scripture says Enoch walked with God. And then he was not, 
forgot to. I've read commentaries and I've even heard preachers preach that thought in this way, and I really like this thought. That Enoch was a good man, a righteous man, a holy man, that he lived a holy life. That he lived a life that was pleasing to God. That he loved the Lord his God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that he walked with God for so long. That one day, God looked over at him and said, Enoch, you've been walking with me for a while now. And as we look back, it's clear to see that we're closer to my house than we are to yours. So Enoch, why don't you just come on home with me? That shows us the importance. Of walking with God. Of not just going only thus far. But of walking all of our lives. Walking daily. Walking with God. I don't know about you. But when my journey's over. And it will come for all of us. And when, when I live that last day. When, when I've journeyed that last mile. When I take that last step. I want it to be said of me. Randy. There lies a man that walked with God. Now he simply is no longer because God took him. I want to know that when I take my last step while walking with God still, when I take my last step in this life, that I will just simply step over on streets of gold where I will live with God. It's important to walk with Get that, understand that, know that. Two more names that I see here in Genesis chapter 5 that I want to make mention of. One is Methuselah. I don't know a whole lot about Methuselah other than he's the oldest recorded man in all of Scripture. He lived to be 969 years old. I don't know a whole lot else about him other than he was the grandfather of Noah. A man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'm not going to go into that in this particular study. We're going to be looking at that in tomorrow's study as we, as we consider Noah, as we consider a man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So if you want to know what it looks like to find grace in the eyes of the Lord, if you want to know what a man looks like that finds grace, in the eyes of the Lord. If you want to know what qualities and what traits are needed to find grace in the eyes of the Lord and what that means to us, then join in tomorrow for tomorrow's study as we begin in Genesis chapter 6 and we start to look at a man named Noah. I hope that this message has spoke to somebody that's either been watching or will be watching. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please leave me a message. I would love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless. Today in our study through God's Word, as we continue to, to go through the pages of Scripture, we come to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 is holds a story that is probably one of the most well-known, one of the most popular, one of the most loved stories in all of Scripture. If you spend any amount of time in, in Sunday school class as a child, you no doubt have colored the pictures and made the crafts and heard the story, and, and you will know it well when I begin to tell it here. 
In fact, if you've never been to church, if you've never opened up the Bible, I imagine that you have heard something about this man that we want to be talking about in this story here today. Imagine that when you think of this story, you think of, of the man, of the flood, of the giant boat, of the, of the cute, cuddly animals, of the rainbow at the end, and all that is part of the story. But I want to tell you the whole story, the real story, the true story, and what that means to us here today. I want to talk about a man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. A man called Noah. And when I think of Noah, the first thought that comes to my mind is the words of Jesus in the New Testament when he was speaking to his disciples and he told them that in the last days, when the end is near, when time as we know it is about to, about to stop, when the wrath of God is about to fall upon the world, that it will be just as it was in the days of Noah. And that caused me to want to know what it was like in the days of Noah. We find that it was evil, that it was sinful, that it was, that it was wicked, that any evil, wicked imagination that could possibly be thought of was being thought of, and it was being acted out upon. Sin was everywhere, and it was in everyone, and it was so bad that God was sorry that Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 had ever taken place. It repented God that he, had, that he had even made man. And he decided that he was going to destroy the world. That he was going to destroy mankind. That he was going to destroy all living things with a worldwide flood. But Noah, scripture says, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Well, the very next verse does tell us that Noah was a just man, that he was perfect in his generations, and that Noah walked with God. When we see that word perfect, it starts to make us wonder, well, does that mean that Noah had no sin? Does that mean that Noah made no mistakes? Does that mean that Noah was without fault and failure? No, don't mean that at all. In fact, we know that at least once in Noah's life, after God had spared him, after God had saved him, but Noah got drunk, naked, and passed out. So we see towards the end of a story, a naked, old, drunk guy laying on the ground, passed out. Noah had faults. Noah had failures. Noah made mistakes. And scripture tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there is not one righteous. No, not one. So yeah, Noah had sinned. So then, in what way was Noah perfect? I believe that Noah was perfect in that he loved the Lord his God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He loved his neighbor as himself. That he was a just man. He tried to do the right thing to, to those around him. He tried to live a life that was pleasing with God. He wanted to walk with God. He wanted to be obedient to God. And in fact, we find throughout the story of Noah that it simply says that Noah did as God had commanded him. Noah did as God had told him. Noah did as God had instructed him. Noah did just as God had said to do. So Noah was obedient. He was perfect in that way. He was perfect in that he had a perfect trust and a perfect faith in God. Scripture tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, but not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man 
should boast. So you've got to have faith. And Noah had tremendous faith. In fact, I want you to consider the time that God gave him this call, that God gave him these instructions. First of all, the, 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 the entire world was evil and wicked. Everyone was participating in sin. Nobody wanted to do it God's way. So they no doubt laughed at Noah. They made fun of Noah. They mocked Noah. But he continued to do as God had told him to do. He continued, even though it wasn't popular, to remain faithful to God. And I want you to consider that at the time that God gave him these instructions, he gave them him these specifications of this giant boat, told him how to pitch it so that it wouldn't leak, told him exactly what to do. And at this time, when, when God gave Noah these instructions, it had never rained upon the earth. Rain had never fallen. But Noah still, in obedience to God, built a giant boat, in the desert where it had never seen water before. What faith that must have taken. But Noah was obedient. Noah was faithful. Noah walked with God. And for that reason, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We see that after God had told him to build the boat, that he told him that I want you to gather up the animals. He told him how many and he told him what kinds. God said, this is how I'm going to preserve the world. Noah, Noah's sons, their wives, Noah's wife, and all the animals went inside the ark. And I want you to notice something right here as we get to this part of our story. That after they went inside the ark and God decided that it was time for the waters to fall, that the scripture says the Lord shut him in. God's the one that closed the door. Noah and his sons... Their wives, they didn't pull the door closed from the inside. God closed the door from the outside. You say, well, preacher, why is that important? Well, for two reasons. One tells me that if we are obedient, that if we are faithful, that if we walk with God and if we live our lives for Him, if we belong to Jesus and have accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, then when the storms come, when the difficulties come, when the hardships come, that God will close the sin the safety of his provision and he will carry us through the storms he will get us to the other side and i'm going to get more to that here in just a moment but i want to tell you the second reason why i want you to to realize that god closed the door i want you to think back if you're watching this video and you're not saved and you're not a christian and and you know that your heart is not where it needs to be with god i want you to think back of all the preachers Evangelists, pastors, Sunday school teachers, family, friends, neighbors, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, little old woman down the street, whoever it might have been that told you about Jesus over the years of your life. I want you to think back. The warnings that they was giving you about heaven, about hell, about eternity, about God's judgment, about the, the wages of sin being death. They were telling you the truth. I want you to know something. God's going to close the door. Revelations tells us that, that, that in the end the fire is going to fall. That this is all going to be destroyed. That those that don't have Jesus as their Lord and Savior are going to be thrown into that, that everlasting lake of fire. Eternal damnation and torment and torture. There is a real place called hell. But that there is also a real place called heaven for those that say yes to Jesus. 
But you have to do so before God closes the door. I want you to picture this scene. I don't want you to picture the cute, cuddly animal locked inside the, the ark. I want you to picture the scene outside the ark. One of the most devastating, one of the most violent, one of the most heartbreaking stories in all of Scripture. The water started to fall. It started to rise up ankle level, knee level, waist level, chest level. They started to climb up onto their houses, the trees, into the mountains. Then tipping their head back, trying to hold on as long as they could. And the whole while, I pictured that they were beating on the side of the ark, that they were clawing. I imagine that when that when that ark finally rested on dry ground, I, I pictured that there was claw marks, human claw marks, all over the outside of that boat where people were trying to get in to safety. But there was no help. There was no relief. Noah couldn't open it up because God closed it from the outside. If you find yourself in that devil's hell, it's too late to pray. When God closes the door and you close your eyes in death or Jesus returns, whichever comes first, and both are going to happen, once God closes that door, it's too late. There's no hope. There's no help. There's no relief in hell. So don't wait until that door closes to start to pray. Don't wait until the water starts to fall. Don't wait until the flood comes. Pray now. This is the day of salvation. This is the accepted hour. This moment, this minute. If you're watching this video and you don't know Jesus, do not hesitate. Call upon the name of the Lord while he may be found. As scripture says. But we find that the time came. That they, they went in. God closed the door. And that they were floating to the other side. And here's what I want the believer to, to find comfort in. The Christian that might be going through a struggle this morning. That might be going through a difficulty this morning. That might be going through a loss. A loss of a loved one might be going through a financial burden. Whatever it might be, I want you to know something. Hard times come. Difficulties come. I imagine Noah and his family was here. Lightning, thunder. They'd never saw and heard that before. Imagine it was here. But chapter 8 of Genesis tells us that God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. God always remembers his people. He will not ever leave us nor forsake us. He has told us so. He will not abandon us. He will not walk away from us when, when times get difficult. And during the storms of life, he will get us through. He will remember us. He will lock us in the safety of his protection. And he will carry us to the other side. He will carry us through the storm. As the, as the old saying goes, if God gets us to it, he will take us through it. And I believe that with all my heart. So hold on to that belief. Trust in God. Believe in God. Even when it's not popular. Even when it's not convenient. The ark rested. The door opened. God blessed them. Told them be fruitful. 
multiply, replenish all the earth. I want you to remember that for our next study as we get to Genesis chapter 10. But there is one final thing that I want to tell you about this story. The rainbow. It was God's promise that I will never do this again. I will never destroy the earth in this way again. And most of you watching this probably know that. But I'll tell you another thought that comes to my mind when I think about the rainbow. And I imagine it came to Noah's every time he saw one. No doubt he remembered the promise that God gave, the covenant that he made, that I will never destroy the earth again with a flood. But I imagine Noah also remembered those long nights, those scary situations, those, that bumpy ride. I imagine that Noah remembered that God remembered him. That God never left him, never abandoned him. That God brought him and his family through it. And I want you to know that God will always remember his people. I hope and pray that you got something out of this video today. It wasn't recorded live. Most of you probably noticed that. I want to tell you why real quickly before I, before I close. Some of the viewers were saying that they were having a hard time seeing the videos um, for whatever reason that part of it would play not all of it would play that there would be periods of time that there wouldn't be no sound just different things that was messing up on the videos and i figured out that the reason why is because the the mobile signal that i use here at the church uh, is not strong enough to record on facebook live properly so i've decided that i'm going to record the videos pre-record the videos and then right after I have made the video. I'm recording it live right now, this morning, and as soon as I'm finished, I will be posting it to Facebook. I hope that everyone's okay with that. I hope that you continue to view in. I've, I've enjoyed having all the viewers. I appreciate you all. I appreciate the likes, the comments. I appreciate the messages that you've been sending me. If anyone does have any questions, concerns, or comments about this video or any video, there's a there's a button on my on the Maple Street page to hit to message me. Um, I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, God bless. In yesterday morning's study, we talked about a man named Noah, a man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, who saw that Noah wasn't perfect, that he had mistakes, that he had faults, that he had, he had sin in his life, just like we all do. But that he obeyed the Lord. He, he, he followed the instructions even when it wasn't popular, even when it didn't make sense. Built a boat in the desert on dry ground that has never seen rain didn't make sense but Noah done it anyway he trusted in God he believed in, in what God had told him and we find that God brought him through the storm he brought him through the flood that he remembered Noah just like God will always remember those that are his he will never leave us he will never forsake us he will never abandon us when time gets tough and difficult God will always be right there to carry us through the storm, to, to bring us through the floods of life, so to speak. But we find that after God brought them through the, the flood, that when they stepped out on the dry ground, that God gave
gave them one instruction. Scripture says that God blessed them and that God told them to be fruitful, to multiply, and to replenish the entire earth. One rule, one instruction, one command, one thing that they had to do. Now with that thought in mind, I want you to go back with me to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3. God told man that you have all this. Dominion over the animals, dominion over the, the whole world. you got control of it all. This garden, I, I made it for you. I planted it just for you. It's your special place. Eat whatever you want. Do whatever you want. But one thing, don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One thing not to do. And that's the one thing that they did. And sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And in your sins, you will surely die. But now the worldwide flood has happened. All of mankind has been destroyed. Except for Noah, his sons, their wives, and Noah's wives. And all of the animals that was on board the, the ark. They come out and God tells them this one thing is all you got to do. One rule. One instruction. Surely they're going to do a better job, right? I mean, they come out. It's a new start. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new world. Surely they learn from the mistakes of, of Adam and Eve. And they're going to obey God. Surely they learned from all of those that was living in sin and wicked and doing it the, the way of sin. Those that drowned it. Surely they learned from that and they're going to do as God has commanded them, right? One thing. Well, let's see what happens. We read in chapter 10 the story of Noah's descendants. Of Shem, Ham, and Japheth's descendants. Specifically of Shem, the one that God chose to to take to the line of Adam, or of Abraham as we're going to find, that he used to get to the line of David as we're going to find as we go through God's word, that eventually he used to get to the to the line of Christ. But then we come to chapter 11 here, and it says, beginning of verse 1, and the whole earth was one of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found the plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. No, 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 no. The one thing that they're supposed to do it's the one thing they're trying to get out of doing. They're building a city. They're building a tower. They're making a name for themselves. Why? So that they're not scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. That's the one thing they're supposed to do. That's the plan. That's the instruction that God has given them. Go fill up the earth. It's your job. You know, the animals that, that came out of the boat 
the, 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 the sons of Noah. Their job is to refurnish and replenish all of the earth. That's the one thing they're trying to get out of. That's the one thing they're trying to keep from doing. How come it is that as human beings, the one thing that God tells us to do is the one thing that we don't want to do? God has told us today in 2016, you must be born again. You must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is a heaven. There is a hell. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to avoid hell, you must come through my Son. You must come through Christ. What can wash away my sin? The songwriter said, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We must be born again. But what is the one thing that the majority of the world wants not to do? They want to not be born again. They want to not be a Christian. They want to not accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. They want to not follow Jesus and His example and His instructions. Why? We see it right here in chapter 11 of Genesis. It says, And let us build us a city. And let us build us a tower. And let us make us a name for ourselves. It's all about them. They don't want to do it God's way. They want to do it their way. Scripture tells us that there is a way that seems right unto man, but that the end thereof leadeth unto death. I want you to know that if you try to do it your way, you're going to find yourself in the devil's hell. If you try to live life the way you want to live it, you're not going to, you're not going to get to live forever. You will surely die in your sins. God said that in the beginning. It's never changed. The wages of sin is still death and will always be death. Hell was created for all of those that want to do it their way. For all of those that say, God, we don't want you. Because it's simple. The one thing you need to do is accept Christ. And if you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and you live for Him, you will live forever in that wonderful place called heaven. That's all you got to do. That's God's way. That's God's plan. Try to do it your way. It will not work. I want you to know God is always going to have His way. We find it right here in the story. Let's read the rest of the story of Babylon. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. You see it? They scattered. God scattered them. God's going to have His way always. He has created hell for a reason. He has created heaven for a reason. He has given the instruction. The one thing that we must do for a reason. We must be born again. 
We must accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We must do it God's way or we will perish. We will surely die. We will wind up in that terrible and awful place called hell. And I want you to know it is real. We can try to explain it away. We can try to, to use science to make it go away. We can try to discredit it. We can listen to the to the false prophets, the false, false teachers, the false preachers that tell you that you can go ahead and continue to live in sin. That a loving God wouldn't send no one to hell. Well, he created it for a reason. It's real for a reason. It's created for real people that decide to do it their way instead of God's way. I hope that I've given you something to think about. If you're watching this video and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to know more, just leave me a message. And I'd, I'd love to explain to you about how to get to know Him, about how to start a relationship with Him, how to renew a relationship with Him. And if you're watching this video and you do know Him as your Lord and Savior, always continue to do it God's way. I hope that this video has spoken to someone in some way. Leave me a message, comment, questions, concerns. I'd love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless.